Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Boone Podcast. My name is Bill McKay. This week, we're speaking with Keith Halperin. Uh, Keith is a seasoned recruiting pro and contributing writer to ERE Media, so some of you might be familiar with some of his work. We discuss agile recruiting, recruiting supermodels, and managing client expectations, as well as how the role of the recruiter is changing in this, uh, this world of emerging recruiting technologies. So we cover quite a bit of things. Uh, it was a good talk, and uh, I hope you enjoy. All right. How are you doing, Keith? I'm doing very well. Yeah? Good. I like that. Uh, like you, I never know whenever you know, the technology is going to work, so I try and give myself a few extra minutes. There you go. Even then, you know. What, is that, uh, what picture do you have behind you there? Oh, I'm contracting at a company that does uh, solar installations, not so much the solar panels, but the tracking devices. Mm-hmm. So uh, they got a big picture of one of their uh, customers. Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, well, so thanks for joining us on the, the Boone podcast. I, I guess the best thing to do to start would be to just kind of get you to, to kind of do a sweeping pitch on who you are, what your background, like, how would you describe uh, yourself and what you do right now? Well, I am fundamentally a recruiter. I've been uh, doing contract recruiting for over 20 years. Uh, I've looked for over 200 different kinds of positions, uh, about 70% are technical, 30% are non-technical. Uh, sometimes I'm just hired as a sourcer, sometimes just as a recruiter, more often everything. I'm pretty much of a plug and play kind of guy. Right. Very cool. Um, so, I mean, we've, we've been kind of in touch and, and following you and, and what you write about for, for quite a while now. And I think there's a, a few things that I found particularly interesting that I wanted to kind of dive into on, on this Circle. podcast. And, and one of the things you talk about is, uh, I think you wrote in your, your Agile Recruiting Manifesto. Um, so I guess just starting there, like what, what is Agile Recruiting? And, and maybe could you kind of walk us through the manifesto and why you wrote it? Well, certainly, except I haven't brought the manifesto <laughs> up on my, my screen yet. Sure. But I can, I can fundamentally tell you. Uh, I do a lot of software recruiting, and a number of years ago, I got familiarized with the term agile development, and I heard that there was something called an agile software development manifesto, which was the whole philosophy of developing software uh, basically in a quicker, more efficient way. And I thought, after a while, this makes sense. You could apply this to a lot of things. Maybe I could apply it to recruiting. So uh, I won't say basically. I didn't basically. I stole it. <laughs> I, I stole it. I put it into a Word document. I cut out the software-related things. I put in the recruiting-related things. So whoever came up with the software uh, uh, development manifesto, I owe it to them. Gotcha. Very cool. So 
so I mean, what what parts of because I'm even sure that whoever came up with agile software, I don't know this for sure, but I'm sure that they're taking from other where like this isn't the first time we ever needed to develop an agile process for getting things yeah. done. So I'm sure a lot of the elements are kind of taken from, from different mm-hmm. things. But like what what about it made sense to you um, as far as like you're looking at this process and you're thinking, okay, well, like how can these really change how recruiting is done? I mean, what, what about it, you know, okay. led to into what, what would be called recruiting? What attracted it to me uh, is that it spelled out things which to me were common sense that it fundamentally says this is how recruiting should be done. And it does it based on a practical fact-based Basis, not on what uh, somebody happens to think uh, or claims about, but based on we do our, our goal is here to hire people, and we're going to do it the very best way we can. Right. Gotcha. Um, so okay. So I guess let's let's pivot to something. Tangential, but, but pretty okay. similar. So, like, what what is your? Because I guess one thing I'd like to kind of dig out is like, what what is kind of your general philosophy in recruiting? Because I, I mean, having talked okay. to so many different people in the recruiting space, it's there's no clear cut. This is the way to do it, right? So, I, I'd like to kind of get different people's perspectives and philosophies on how they actually oh. are effective at recruiting. So, like, in a kind of general sense, what would you say your philosophy is? It's a minimalist approach. Uh, fundamentally, the goal of a recruiter is to put a quality butt in a chair in a timely, cost-effective manner. Mm-hmm. That's it. It isn't to create a valid, uh, enjoyable candidate experience. It isn't to make sure that the process most, uh, goes smoothly. It's to put a quality butt in a chair. That is my philosophy. Anything that leads to that, making it quicker, more efficient, easier for all the parties involved, that's something that should be incorporated. Anything that detracts or slows it down, that's something to be avoided when possible. Right, gotcha. I guess when, you know, that's where something like an agile process makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, okay, so are there any particular, like, tips and tricks you might use in a, in a recruiting process? Like what are maybe some things that you've learned? Um, just, you know, you say your, your philosophy is just getting a butt in the chair in, in quickly, okay. effective yeah. manner. Like what are, what are some things you might've learned or um, pitfalls that other people might fall into who haven't been doing this a while? So the philosophy is to overcomplicate it. Uh, when someone does interviewing, there are only two things that definitely need to be established from what I've been able to determine over the years. One, is the person capable of doing the job that we as a team need them to do? AKA, are they competent? And two, would I feel comfortable working around this person for an extended period of time? AKA, are they likable or tolerable or bearable? Right. If you cannot say yes to both of these things, don't hire them. And right. if you don't know the answer to one or the other, ask more questions. 
That's all you have to do as an interviewer. Often the trap that many interviewers and recruiters who advise them fall into is that you need to determine much more and get much more granular. You can, but it isn't an efficient process if you do. What I as a recruiter do, it may not be easy, but it certainly isn't complex. Gotcha. Um, What about on the sourcing side? What types of things like, what is kind of your approach to, to filling up the top of the funnel? Oh, okay. First of all, uh, the thing that doesn't seem to be getting as much traction is that sourcing is not a very uh, high-value-added activity. Or at least you can say sourcing is not something you should, in most cases, and by that I mean well over 90 pay someone a lot of money to do. And I say that as someone who is frequently hired as a source. Why do I say this? Because as a fellow I respect a great deal, uh, a fellow by the name of John Sumser, who you may or may not be familiar with, he's a very established recruiting and HR advisor, said numerous years ago, pretty good sourcing is getting better and better all the time. So. What I've learned increasing over probably the past five to 10 years is finding people, even very sophisticated skill sets, even very specialized, even very high quality people, by and large, it's not a hard thing to do. Uh, what is a hard thing to do is to get them to listen to you. Right. Gotcha. So, Okay, what you say get, uh, get them to listen to? What do you mean by yep. that? Like, uh, can you elaborate on that a bit? It means there is a tremendous sort of concentration in what I do as recruiting on what I call the fabulous 5%. These are the 95th percentile people that everybody wants. You know, they may have worked for a prestigious company, they may have graduated from a prestigious school set, they may have you know, uh, a bleeding edge skill set, but it's a very small fraction of people that most recruiters are told um, to go after. And everybody's going after those folks. And they, they, you don't, when you have a lot of choice, you tend to specialize in what is, what is the best. Or you just say, enough. I'm giving up on this. I'm hiding. I'm taking my LinkedIn profile. I don't want to be contacted anymore. So I think there are two problems here. One, you're going after only a very limited number of people without something worthy of attracting their attention. And two, you're leaving a lot of really good people behind that you could quite easily hire and quite justifiably hire for doing a very good job. Right. By and large, nobody wants to go after them. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So I'm going back to your I'm going back to your manifesto here, because I, I think I think yeah. we, there's more to more to be covered here. So um, so as part of the beginning you, you mentioned individuals and interactions over processes and tools. Yes. So this is something that we talk about 
um, a lot on this podcast. Just, I mean, it's becoming an ever, uh, an ever changing kind of dynamic where there are constantly more and more tools being thrown into the, into the system. But there's also, we're even getting into this place now where you have, you know, chatbots kind of eating into the human interaction element, but clearly there's still a, a massive need for human interaction and, uh, humans understanding humans. So I guess like, could, could you kind of just share your thoughts on, on just how you feel about that and, and, you know, in these times with all these new tools out there? Yes. Um, and I'm going to be sort of a contrarian, uh, and I'm going to pose a question to you. (laughs) Sure. Quite often I discuss this with people in various contexts that there's this, you know, there's a certain amount of human connection, of human contact, that is going to be fundamentally required. I agree with that, but no one's been ever that I've discussed this with has been able to say what what does that consist of? Right. What do you absolutely positively need a human being to do to interact with you that cannot be done elsewhere or by other means? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. So, I mean, there's there's certainly just some intangible elements to understanding if a person might fit. And I think a, a lot of people just there's there's something to there's something more than data, right? So, like a resume and your LinkedIn profile and all that. There, that's step one. Is there's a data match as far as this your yeah. skill set makes sense for this job. Um, and then there's, uh, another element of, well, do your values align with the company's values or like, mm-hmm. does the culture make sense? And there it starts to get a little bit gray. I think you might be able to automate some of that, but it still, it starts to get a little bit gray. And then there's this, I think a very kind of abstract piece of it where, uh, if, do you think a person just is going to gel in a company? Do you think it's going to work? And I think a lot of people make kind of hiring managers especially and and people like ceos are going to make like gut instincts and say like this is the right person and they might not even know why they might not even be able to tell you why um so i i think we just don't know we don't even know how to automate that piece out because we don't really understand what it is um but i might be wrong about that but that's that's how i look at it um well i can't say you're wrong but i i say you there, there's more information. There actually is a tool, and I think I talked about setting uh, you and the team up with, with them okay. that actually quantifies soft skills, mm-hmm. things like that. So there's, I think what I'm saying is there, there isn't, there is a certain amount of thing, at least at present day technology, that cannot be quantified or analyzed. The thing is, there isn't much of that left. I'll, I'll sort of step back. Sure. Uh, much of what I do as a recruiter and my colleagues is rather low-touch and low-value add. Sometimes in a large organization, this is farmed out to other people. Sometimes we have to do it. I'll give you an example. Scheduling and coordinating. It's a, it's a very necessary thing. Uh, there's a tool that does that. It's an AI tool. It's not just a calendaring tool. It's an AI tool that interacts with the person. Right. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. 
there are a number of tools that handle a lot of aspects of sourcing. That's one of the big things that recruiters often do. Mm-hmm. Um, there is this tool which I said measures soft skills so that you can get a much better cultural fit. Okay. There's another tool which measure basically it uh, compares resumes against a job description using semantic search. Mm -hmm. And so it radically cuts down the amount of eyeballs that somebody like me has to do. It can put in a lot of different, you know, I put in 40 resumes in about a minute and a half, it ranked them against the job description. Um, This AI tool can actually, uh, that I was talking about that can do scheduling, theoretically it can handle a lot of the candidate care and create and manage a talent pipeline. It hasn't been developed that, that yet, but I'm talking to the people about doing that. So fundamentally, a lot of what we do as recruiters isn't really high touch or high value add. The big thing, and what I value these tools as, it takes the, the grunt level stuff off my shoulders and allows me to do the high touch, high value add. The thing, the scary thing about it is many companies, when they cut away all the low value added stuff, mm-hmm. they say, we don't need any high value added stuff here, right. or we don't need as much of it. Right. So right. this is a very scary trend, but I think it's fairly inevitable that if, if someone such as myself, they make their money by sourcing or in a different context, there are a very skilled schedule of coordinator or that they think that they are able to actively gauge the skills, either hard or soft, then I think, you know, five, 10 years down the road, a lot of those jobs are going to go away. Right. Right. And, but do you think, I mean, it's probably not equivalent, but there's certainly going to be maybe kind of a new, a new brand of recruiting job. Um, I, I think of the parallels and kind of what's happened to, to marketing over the last you know, decade or so, where like you have, you have people who are you know, not traditional marketers, but they're just like system managers. So it's becoming more and more of you're going to need people who understand recruiting and the recruiting processes who can put all these tools together and make them work, right? Yes. That's, that's what I'm thinking, that this would ineffectively be uh, more of a recruiting project manager. I said, and, and this is one of the things that uh, I proposed and one of the things that I've learned over my career. Um, early on in my recruiting career, I was asked to look for a position called an engagement manager. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what that was. Um, and what they told me was this involves something called solution selling. Mm-hmm. I also had no idea what that was, but they explained it to me and saying, you're not selling a widget you're selling a solution or solutions with to a problem which can involve a lot of things solution sales seems to have penetrated a lot of areas but to my knowledge it has not penetrated very much in recruiting so far excuse me by and large recruiters we either sell or we rent a walking talking widget What I'm thinking is consistent with what your idea is, that a a client would say, we need some work done, rather than 
we need to hire a person, we need some work done, and the solution recruiting approach would be, okay, let's meet with you and see what you need done. Maybe it needs a full-time person. Maybe it needs a part-time person or a contractor. Maybe what you need to be, what you're doing can be completely eliminated, what I call no source. Maybe it can be automated, or maybe it can be done much cheaper by someone offshore. So, uh, you know, no source, through source, or off source, instead of saying, here's a guy, he can do the work. Rather, you need the work done, let's figure out the best solution to do that. That's one direction that I can see recruiting going in in what you said. I just haven't seen much of that happening so far. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I, I uh, think that's a, that's a good uh, projection there. I think that makes that makes sense. And so I think one other thing I'd, I'd like to kind of ask you about um, is I was, you just did an article for us, by the way. Thank you for doing that. Um, I did. And, and in that article, you are talking about uh, recruiting supermodels um, and yes. there's a few interesting pieces of that. So I guess just to start, um, could you kind of explain the, the term supermodels and what you mean by that? Okay. This goes back earlier to my point about saying that uh, companies, the great majority of companies are looking for the same types of people for a given skill set, the top 95 percent. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they, many of them have a sense of entitlement that, and this also goes to, you got to have something to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this goes back, at least in my experience, to the dot bomb uh, time when uh, there were very few jobs. And basically, most anyone who was hiring could get a very fine person for not really much more than the fact that they have a job mm-hmm. uh, available. Uh, and I think that sense of entitlement has, has continued, particularly among uh, a lot of startups and some prestigious organizations that they feel just because of who we are, someone should be really glad to work for us no matter what we offer. So my thing about the supermodel, and this also goes to the thing I was saying about sourcing. I've been happily married 25 years now. Uh, but let's say if I were single, and I wanted to go, uh, you know, dating again. And let's say I had, you know, the direct contact information for every supermodel in the world. I text them, that's there. It's direct. So I can contact anybody I want. What are the odds that one of those supermodels is going to text me back, tweet me, whatever? Mm-hmm. Not very much. That's the similar situation that I see a lot of companies in. They think that they can get supermodels, but they don't have anything to attract. So what I did in that is I came up with a tool called uh, a non-mechanical tool, a paper and pencil tool, if you will, um, called the Corporate Desirability Score, where you come up with the sort of factors that you think anybody you're hiring would be interested in compensation, benefits, opportunity, uh, growth, whatever. It doesn't really have to be anything. It's just here are the things that you think people value. Mm-hmm. 
And if you have some extra things like, oh, we're a startup, we got stock options, or we got a kegerator and things, you can add those too. So then you start doing a little bit of elementary number crunching. Like say, you know, if you've got a Radford survey and you know how you fall into the, the salary picture, you said, okay, we're, we're good here. We're 80th percentile. We pay better than 80% of the people. Um, some stuff you'll just have to guess. Well, we don't know if our quality of life. We think it's pretty good. We'll give it 70th percentile. And our benefits are 80. So you basically come up with a score. And, you know, if you've got some extra stuff, you can add it on. Oh, you know, not everybody has, you know, degrader and things like that. So that'll bump up your score. You end up with a percentage. And that's like to the best of your knowledge, you know, it's incomplete, it's inaccurate information, but it's the best you can come up with. That's the level of company that you are. And I found, let's say you're a 70th percent of company. Not too bad. Better than average. Better than 70% of the company. Halfway competent recruiter can get 70th percent of people. Um, a decent recruiter should be able to get you 75th, maybe 80th percentile. They're not going to get you 95th percentile people. They're not going to get the, the, the supermodels, the ones that everybody wants. You're going to have to realize that because gotcha. you're going to have major problems. Gotcha. So that's how, my whole approach. Yeah, that, that's, that's great. I think, um, well, I guess how do you... There's a couple of things I'm wondering. So one is how do you kind of manage the your clients or the company's expectations for that? Because do, do you walk actually walk them through that process? And yep. it, okay. Well, it, it depends. First, well, sort of a big thing uh, is if there's a big disjunction, they're not going to really want to hear that. Right. Uh, so for, fortunately, I found out most of the times it's not too far off and that they're very realistic. Mm -hmm. If you have someone in charge who insists on the best, best people, and overall the numbers show that they're fundamentally a mediocre company, you got a lot of problems there. Mm -hmm. One of the most important things, and this, is, this goes back to what you were saying earlier, what are the important things that recruiters will going forward need to do as of now and going forward, one of the most important things recruiters need to do is to realistically manage their hiring uh, managers' expectations. Mm -hmm. And if they can't do that, it's not going to work. Is there ever a scenario where it's kind of a feedback loop? Like if you, you actually crunch these numbers and you say, actually, you know, you, you guys, you don't have a lot of, of power or leverage here to get someone in a higher percentile. Can you actually go ahead and tell them, like, well, actually, if you did some of a few of these things, it actually improve your chances, or it, does that ever happen? Occasionally, it happens. Uh, often, it's a limited situation. Right. That it's not often that comes into a situation that a hiring at, at the very end. If right. the, and I try as a recruiter to exercise as much flexibility and have as much broadness to be able to handle things like that. Right. You know. Often, though, it's the company said, we know we don't pay very well. We can't pay very much. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. And other things can be done, but they often take long periods of time. Gotcha. Very cool. Um, well, I want to be cognizant of your time here, Keith. Uh, thank you for, for jumping on. Um, I guess uh, just to, to round things out, um, I mean, any if you have any final thoughts, like feel free to share those. But also, where could people get in touch with you if you, if they wanted to online? Oh, okay. 
I wish I had a complicated website, but uh, it's under construction, which is to say it's sort of been inactive for like five years. Um, best way of reaching me is at my good old email. No, hey, this is the 21st century. I'll give you my text uh, and my email. How about that? Sure. You can text me at the following number, 415-672-7326. That's 415 415- Six seven two seven three two six, or my email k d as in David Halperin. It's spelled H A L as in Peter E R I N as in November at sbcglobal.net. Once again, that's k d h a l p e r i n at sbcglobal.net. And final thoughts. Um, Going forward, my suggestion to people is if they wish to maintain or uh, enhance their career in recruiting, is to look around, talk to people, talk to their peers, talk to people that they respect, and find out what skills are not going to be easily no-sourced, aka eliminated, through-sourced, automated, or outsource sent away for a lot less money than what they're making. Mm-hmm. You can find things and you can find a market for people who value those higher level skills. you got a good career in recruiting ahead. Very cool. All right. Thanks very much, Keith. This has been great. And, uh, Thank you. Let's do it, it again fun. soon. Excellent. All right. Take care. Thanks again. Bye-bye.